just start by telling you how the porch is set up a little bit. And so we have about 250 volunteers that make this happen every week. And so as we gather with those 250 volunteers, they're divided up on about five teams. Those five teams have a male and female leader over each one of those teams. And so those are our porch leaders, kind of the elders of the porch, if you will. And so every year we get away with those porch leaders. We go out of town, we go on a retreat, usually to a lake house. A couple years ago, we went to my in-law's lake house on Lake Whitney. And so we went out there to Lake Whitney, and what this looks like is, is usually a lot of praying, a lot of dreaming, asking God what he wants from the ministry, how we can best minister to you guys, those kinds of things. And at night, we're, we're usually sitting around a campfire, and so we're sitting around a campfire, the guys and the girls, and we're talking, and, and there's this big field out there, okay, where my in-laws places, there's this big field, uh, some, some public land, if you will, and, and I asked the, the, the leaders, I just said, hey, have, have any of you never been snipe hunting? And, uh, and, and about half of them raised their hand. They had never been. And so let me just ask you guys, how many of you have never been or you don't know what snipe hunting is? Would you just raise your hands real high, okay? So uh, it's a lot of you, okay? It's a lot of you. So come back with me. If you have been snipe hunting or you know what it is, would you raise your hands real high? Okay, so that's, that's some of you too. So a little more than half on that first one. And so uh, this is kind of what was there. It was like half of us had been, half of us hadn't been. And I'm like, guys, we gotta go. We gotta go snipe hunting. Like it's gonna be so much fun. And everybody that's been like, yes, it's so fun. Don't, you know? And so here's the deal. Don't tell them, I know, I know. And so here's the deal. We, we, we go out there, and, and I'm, I'm explaining to him, so a snipe, if you don't know what it is, it's like this little white bird, and it, it runs on the ground. It comes out at night, kind of like a, runs on the ground like a quail, if you will, and it comes out at night, and you can catch them. They're actually pretty easy to catch. And so the way that you do it is you get this headlamp, you know, because the light, they're, they're attracted to the light, and you get a little bag, like a burlap sack, and you have to be out there all by yourself in the field. It's the only way to catch them, and you have to call them. And so the call is irresistible to the snipe. And so my, my friend Chital, she's out there. She's like, like a legend with our porch leaders, you know. And, and I'm, I'm telling Chital, I'm like, this is how you catch a snipe. And she's out there in the field. So I, get, I teach her the call. I'm going to teach you guys the call so you can use it. And so you go, I mean, like, you go out there and you go, ooga looga 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 you got this headlamp and it's pitch black. And so she's out there, you know, and, and, and so we leave and she's out there in the field. She's holding, holding the back. Come on, little snipe. And, um, and we kind of drive around the corner. Those of us who had been, we drive around the corner, right? And there's like this big shed there. And, uh, and we drive around the corner and we're just watching and laughing. And, uh, because here's the deal, right? This is what they don't want me to tell you. Snipe aren't real. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. And so I know, and, and you know, and so it, it's, it's funny, right, when you're looking for something that's not real. And it's even a little entertaining if the way that you're looking is foolish. And so many of you came in here this evening in search of love. Everyone wants love, and I have to break it to you just like I did for, for friends about this silly animal. The love that you're looking for, it's not real. It doesn't exist. You've defined it incorrectly. And furthermore, for so many of you, the way that you're looking is foolish. And I think the enemy is laughing at you, watching you hurt yourself and bring pain into your life, remaining single, having unsatisfied desires. He's watching you and he's laughing at you. And so I want to, from the scriptures tonight, show you that it's not real. That, that to find love, you have to to find love, you have to define it in the right way. See, it actually, it turns out, I did a little Google search on the snipe hunt. It turns out it is, there is a real bird called the snipe. And, and so this has been a long time, since, since the 1930s, this has been a prank that people pull. And so here's a picture of a snipe, right? It looks nothing like I described. 
It turns out it's nowhere near where we were looking. They, they live, it lives near the beach and the sand on the shores there. And the way you catch it certainly isn't with a bag and a flashlight and a silly call. To, to find a snipe, you'd one, wanna know what it looks like, and two, you'd wanna know where it is, and then three, you'd wanna know how to find it, like what, or, or how to attract it, how to catch it. And so in the same way, we can make this so simple. You're searching for love. To find love, you have to know what it is, you have to know where you find it, and then you have to know how to look. Like if we can just solve those three mysteries, that's gonna send you out of this place with, with such a major upper hand than you came in here with. You're gonna be so much better off if you know what it looks like and where to find it than when you came in here or when you started listening this evening. And so we're talking about finding real love. We're in this series called Fantasy. The subtitle is Finding Real Love in a Fake World. And you might say, well, what do they mean by a fake world? A fake world is, is what has defined love for you before you came in here. It's social media, right? It's the highlight reel of everybody else's life. It's the airbrushed images in magazines. They're not real. It's the movies and the TV shows that are painting the picture of, hey, this is love, yet it doesn't last. It never lasts. And yet that's, that's where you have gone to be educated on such topics. It's the dating profiles and getting catfished and tender out there, swiping right or left. This is not going to lead you to biblical, sustaining, sacrificial love. It's going to lead you exactly where you've been before, like a dog to his vomit, hurt, crying in the middle of the night, sad, going back to check. Has he texted me? Has she texted Wonder why, I wonder what they're doing, wonder where they're at. Lost, confused, crying out. And I want something better for you. I believe your Father in heaven wants something better for you. And so I want you to look for something that's real. I want you to look in the right place. I don't want the way that you're looking to be silly, like you're standing in a field making some silly sound with the enemy laughing at you. As we think about love, as, as you defined it when you came in here, let me just ask the question, is it even necessary? I'll read to you two statistics. This come from uh, Aziz Ansari's book, Modern Romance. The first one just says, Waiting for true love was a luxury that many, especially women, could not afford. In the early 1960s, a full 76% of women admitted that they would be willing to marry someone they didn't love. The vast majority of people said they would be willing to marry someone that they didn't feel romantic love towards. Crazy. Crazy, right? And then it says, then the generation that came of age during the 60s and 70s rejected companionate marriage and began to pursue something greater. They didn't merely want a spouse, they wanted a soulmate. By the 1980s, 86% of American men and 91% of American women said they would not marry someone without the presence of romantic love. So one generation used to have, say, the vast majority say, no, romantic love's not necessary. And then in one generation later, you have the vast majority of Americans saying, I wouldn't even consider marrying someone without romantic love. My hunch is you are firmly in that second camp. Right? What happened between the generation that existed in the 60s and the 70s and 80s? What happened in between there? Something called the sexual revolution. We thought we got so much smarter when it came to sex. You had the invention of birth control. You had the invention of Playboy magazine. You have the, the very wave was created that we're still coasting on today. And we think we're better at it with all of our new, like we're like, of course I wouldn't get married long. Let me ask you guys a question by raise of hands, how, by, by show of hands. How many campuses you can participate as well? How many of your grandparents were divorced? Would you raise your hand if your grandparents were divorced? Now, not if uh, they were widowed and they remarried, but if they actually got a divorce. Would you raise your hands? I, I want to see them. Okay, okay, got it. How many of your parents are divorced? Wow. Wow. 
Okay, can I tell you something too? You have twice as many grandparents as you do parents. So in theory, that first question should have been twice as many hands, but it was much less than half as many hands. Are we getting better at this? And you can answer the self if what, for yourself if what your grandparents had is true love or real love or, or more real love than what your parents have if you know them. And so I'm gonna be jumping around more topical this evening, but there's one verse I wanna look at up front. It's Romans 12, verse nine. And it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Very simple verse, you can look at me. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. To, to say that, like love must not be fantasy. Love must not be fake. Love must be real and true and honest and authentic. Love, if it's real love, it has to be sincere. And I think the problem is we have not hated what is evil. We've clung to what is evil and we've hated what is good and we've settled for a fake love. We've settled for an insincere love. And so as I move through this, we're gonna look at what is fake love, what is real love, and how to find it. And let's just start with what is fake love. What is fake love? So many people find fake love because you have no idea what you're looking for, right? You're just out there and you're trying to find something, but you don't know what it looks like. How can you find something that you don't know what it looks like? And you hear this phrase, right? People try to help you with this phrase. Well, you just know when you know. Isn't that so helpful? <laughs> you just know when you know. Or you could know when you find what it is that you set out looking for. Wouldn't that be a better plan? See, like just this, it was yesterday actually, my friend texted me and was like, hey, I'm gonna go to the Allen Outlet Mall, do you wanna go with me? I'm like, of course, I wanna go with you. And I like to shop. And so he, he picks me up and I'm like, what, what are you doing? He's like, well, you know, I'm looking for a rain jacket because it's been raining for like seven months here. And so, um, <laughs> He's like, I'm looking for a rain jacket. My, my rain jacket got a hole in it, and uh, so I was gonna go to the North Face outlet. And I said, great, I'd love to go with you. And so it was interesting, our shopping experiences, because I wasn't really looking for anything, which is to say I was looking at everything, you know, just kind of wandering around. I'm like, oh, man, Zoomy, skateboard. I, I think I need a, oh, no. And then over here, this coat, jacket. How about this shirt, these shoes, though, right? And so I'm walking around, looking at all this. But, but his experience is so different. He's like, Raincoat, okay, do they have this in this side? Okay, raincoat, okay, North Face, I don't know, I'm gonna go check out Columbia, and then he goes to Columbia, and he just goes to the raincoat racks. Like, he's on a mission, he's focused, he knows exactly what he's looking for. Meanwhile, I'm just running around, wandering around with a little bit of money in my pocket, thinking, hey, I don't know what I'm gonna take home. You know, and that's how some of you date. Right? Right? I don't know what I'm gonna take home who I'm gonna take home, or who I'm gonna go home with. I know it's so simple, and I'm sorry, I know a lot of you've missed it. What if right now you just said, hey, I'm gonna look for exactly this, and I'm not gonna settle until I find that? What if you left here with that reality, with that idea? See, we're getting married later. We're training for divorce, jumping into a relationship, jumping out, jumping in, jumping out. As soon as something goes wrong, jump out. That's not training for marriage. We're not getting married at all. More than any other generation before us. And I think we have to ask the question, why? And so what is fake love? Fake love is defined by fake sources. Fake love is defined by fake sources. Fantasy begets fantasy. If your teacher is fake, then your results are fake. If what they've taught you is fake, then what you're looking for is fake. And so you have to ask the question, what defines love for you? Like, do you want what your parents have? Do you want what your grandparents have? Do you want what Kim and Kanye have? Like, what, what is it that you're actually looking for? Who's defined that for you? Do you want what Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds have? 
or, or Ariana and Pete had? <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you looking for? And what's crazy is it's not even the celebrity relationships you're looking for, it's the relationships that they have on a show where they're playing a part, that's what you're looking for. I want what I saw on the notebook. I mean, really, that's confusing. <laughs> I mean, which one, right? And you really have been taught this by people who are playing a part from a script, acting for money, and you say, that's what I want. I want what, what the 27 failed bachelor or bachelorettes want. Really? That's confusing. That's what you want? That's confusing. What's, what's defining your source of love, that will help you know if it's fake. See, biblical love is sacrificial. It's not self-serving, right? It's, it's not something that reality shows would be made of. See, you've been fed this lie of the manic highs and the manic lows, and in a really strange way, because we've met and we've talked, me and you, you want something that's incredibly broken. And you, you say, no, I, I don't want something that's broken, but in here you're like, you know, I, I kind of do. I kind of want him one minute to tell me he loves me and the next minute to tell me he hates me. I, I want him to bring me close and then throw things at me. No, I would never want that. Yes, you do, because that's what you've been entertained by. And in a really weird, twisted, broken way, somewhere inside of you, that's what you want. And I hate the enemies laughing at you in a field, holding a bag with a flashlight, making crazy sounds. He's laughing at you. And God wants something better for you than that. But they won't make any movies about it. Like, like when a man loves a woman and he gives himself for her and a woman loves a man and she gives herself for him. And you know what it is? Like, can I just be honest with you? This is, you're gonna think I'm crazy on this. I'm gonna lose all credibility with you. Try to listen after I say this, okay? You're gonna have to try. It's boring. That's the truth. It's not entertaining. It's, it's just, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's sacrificial. It's incredible, it's godly. But honestly, you really, what you want, you want a boring marriage. A marriage that no director or producer is calling you saying, hey man, can we come over and film? Because that was, I heard you from three blocks away yelling at each other. No, no, you don't want that. You want, no, I didn't hear you. I've never heard you guys yell or even raise your tone or, or anything. It just seems like you guys love each other. That doesn't sell. Nobody came in here tonight thinking, man, I really want a boring marriage. But I hope you leave here wanting a boring marriage. Fake love is self-serving. See, fantasy is all about the pursuit of ecstasy, you know, the fantasy suite or fantasy island, right? That, that's fake love. If you're thinking about what they can do for you or what you can do to them, that's fake love. And so we think about sex all the time. This is a big felt need you came in here with. You want to have sex. You want to experience intimacy. And I get that. I've been there, okay? I, I, have, I have had all of the, the bad expectations that you guys have. Like, I thought marriage, I was just like, man, you just have sex all the time. Like, that's what it is. I mean, I thought that. I'm like, she's going to wear lingerie every single night. Just like I've seen in the Victoria's Secret magazines, you know, before I was a believer. Like, that, that's what she's going to do because that looks comfortable, right? I'm sure that's what she wants to do. And, and so, and then you get married. And can I tell you something? It's not like that. And, and I know, you, here's what you just thought because I heard it. It was so loud. That's just you, JP. Okay, can I tell you something? Um, I've spent the last 12 years meeting with hundreds, maybe thousands of couples. I, I've seen the ones that are really successful 
I've seen the ones that have failed. People will talk with a pastor about very intimate issues. It's, it's the reality. It's not going to be what you think. Marriage is not one big hookup session. It just isn't. In fact, I'll come behind that with some data. My friend's a CPA, and so he did a little research for me. And, and it's couples that have a lot of sex. Couples that have a lot of sex. Uh, they have 3,240 minutes of sex a year. That's a lot, 3,240 minutes. That's, that's a lot, right? Okay. I was gonna make a joke, but I'm not, okay? The Holy Spirit <laughs> interceded there and saved you all. Can thank God for that. There are 526,600 minutes each year. That means that this couple who has 3,240 minutes of sex, they spend less than 1% of their time having sex. In fact, it's 0.62%. Here's what that means. Is a couple who has lots of sex spends 99.38% of their time doing not sex. (laughs) Everything else. Like, I'm just gonna with you for a minute, and I mean, maybe I shouldn't, but I think my wife and I are, are better than average. And, uh, and I'm just shooting you straight. And, um, and here's the deal. We spend a lot of time, like, okay, can you take them to that soccer game? No, I got this soccer practice over here. Okay, you go over there. No, I'm actually speaking over here. Okay, I'll see you Thursday. All right, maybe Thursday. Okay, and then... And, and so you go here, okay, grocery store, okay, and then dinner, is it, okay, no, I'm gonna eat, okay, I got the, oh, it's Tuesday, I have the porch, actually, I'll be there till about 10.30, okay? You see, that's real life. That's what it, and so if she was just great at intimacy, then that means she potentially would not be great at 99 Point most of marriage. Make sure you're looking for what matters. And it's not sex. As my friend says wisely, you don't even want to have sex. You want to experience godly intimacy. And that's available for people who know what godly love is. And it's available exclusively for them and not anybody else. In, in fact, where the scripture talks about marriage, in 1 Peter 3, Colossians 3, or Ephesians 5, it tells you, hey, this is how to be married well. And it, nowhere does it say, and here's how you be a better lover, or here's some tips and tricks. I'm being, it, it's all about, hey, you lay your life down as Christ did, sacrificial service, strive to live in an understanding way. These are, are from those verses. The verses that are about marriage, they don't say anything about improving your intimacy, but improving your service to one another. It, it, even intimacy is not about receiving. It's not about you experiencing pleasure, but it's about serving in the scripture. And so fake love is rooted in how they make you feel. If you're going about thinking about how they make you feel, right, this is fake love. I I do weddings every now and then, and every couple I marry, I ask this question, hey, why do you love him? Why do you love her? And there's this pattern in their response. Sometimes they'll say, well, I I love the way he makes me feel. And I just call them out on that because I'm like, man, that's incredibly selfish. What you love about him is about you. What you love about her is about you. Like that's what you're chasing is how someone can make you feel. What about when they can't make you feel that way anymore? Right? Love is serving. It's giving. It's sharing. And so what you love about them is how they make you feel. If we're chasing someone to make us feel a certain way. And this is, this is so what so many of you came in here thinking, and it's not your fault. That's the truth. It's not your fault. You've been fed this lie, man. This is the lie that they're feeding you slowly and meticulously and strategically. The people who are really bad at love are coming alongside you saying, hey, let me coach you up. 
let me teach you what love is. Love is like a drug. This is the popular message. In fact, let me just show you something crazy. We're coming out of our Lyrics and Lies series. And so just as a little overlap tonight, let me read to you some lyrics, which is always awkward. Um, and so let me just, this is, these are the songs you're listening to, okay? The big idea, love is a drug you use, okay? And so uh, Camila Cabello, she says this. Something must have gone wrong in my brain. Got your chemicals all in my veins. Feeling all the highs, feel all the pain. Let go of the wheel, it's borderline. Now I'm seeing red, not thinking straight. Blurring all the lines, you intoxicate me. Just like nicotine, rushing me, touching me. Suddenly I'm a fiend and you're all I need. You're to blame, just one hit of you. I knew I'll never be the same. Kesha just says it outright. Your love is my drug. It's the name of her song. Justin Timberlake's Push Your Love Girl says this. Tell me, can I get a light, roll you up, and let it run through my veins? Because I can always see the farthest stars when I'm on you. I don't want to ever come down from this cloud of loving you. Now you got me hopped up on that push your love. So high I'm on the ceiling, baby. Uh, we'll go Camila again with Machine Gun Kelly. She says... And we're both wild, and the night's young, and you're my drug. Breathe you in till my face is numb. Which reminds me of another one. I can't feel my face when I'm with you. And so the weekend, right? That's what the song is all about. You're a drug. I want to use you. Even Fifth Harmony got in on this, man. Fifth Harmony. Say it ain't so. <laughs> I'm like that drug, drug, drug. He tripped when he on it. One taste and he won it. <laughs> this just in, okay? Public service announcement. Love is not a drug. You don't use it to get high. You don't use people. Dating is not a drug. And, and if you have bought into that lie, if you're chasing the next high, chasing the next feeling, it's also gonna come with the hurt and the hangover, the withdrawal, if you will. When you begin to try to learn how to do it right, it's going to be painful because all you know is what's wrong and you're hooked on it. You're addicted. What happens with drugs? What do we do with drugs? We use drugs we get addicted to, to drugs, and we get hurt by drugs. And what happens with the way that you date? You use people, you get addicted to people, and then you get hurt by people. And, and I know that as you look in your rearview mirror, I just described a lot of your dating lives. And the enemy's laughing at you while you're in a field making silly noises with a bag and a flashlight. And your heavenly father, he never, ever meant for you to experience the heartache and the pain that you've experienced. He didn't want that for you. And you're mad at him. Why did he let me date him? He didn't want you to. You didn't ask him. You never asked him. And then when you, you did, you, you did the things he asked you not to. And you're mad at him. That's insanity. That's insanity. I'm not gonna listen to a word you've said. I'm not gonna do it your way. I'm gonna do it my way. But when it goes south, you're to blame. Are you sure? Love is a verb. And so if you're looking for it, look for people who live out the verb, who serve, someone who enjoys serving others. My wife and I were watching this movie on VidAngel. If you don't know what VidAngel is, find out. And so we're watching the breakup on VidAngel. And there's this scene, Vince Vaughn and uh, Jennifer Aniston. It's so intense. They're in this fight. So intense. And, and, uh, and, and he's like, you want me to do the dishes? And she's like, no, I want you to want to do the dishes. And he's like, who wants to do the dishes? <laughs> and I would just say, people who love serving. People who love serving want to do the dishes. That's what you're looking for. Someone who loves 
serving others. And so what is real love? It's this. I'm going to read it to you. This is real love. It's straight from the Bible. It's so clear. It's like God loves us so much. And so close your eyes as I read this to you. Let me just read it. You just picture it. You, you see it, if you will. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Real love is defined as sacrificial service. Real love is defined as sacrificial service. And so here's the simple assignment for you. You can compare what you're looking for to this list. This should be your list. Oh, I want her to be tall and brunette. No, no, this is your list. I hope he's a doctor. No, 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 no. No, this is your list. It doesn't say doctor. It doesn't say that. She, she better be a virgin. No, 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 this. This is your list. All that other stuff is silly. I want you to make sure you could just, so you're not tempted to email, I, I want to be really clear, okay? All that other stuff is silly. Is that clear? Like, are we clear? Am I clear? Am I being clear as I say? It's silly. It's silly. This is your list. This is what you're looking for. So if you, how do you know when you found it? It's not, not you just know when you know. You know when it's this. Now I know it's this. Are you saying I can just marry anybody that meets that? <laughs> I am. Crazy. I know. Crazy. Let's keep going. Uh, understanding first that you have been loved. You are loved right now. Perfectly. I get so sad when I see my single friends, both male and female, when they don't find someone or their heart gets hurt, they turn from God. The one who has said he's never going to leave you or forsake you, and you're upset because you're alone, and what he wants you to realize is you're not alone, you'll never be alone, you've never been alone since you've known him. And, and you, you don't need to be mad at him, okay? He, he's not the one that brought sin into the world. The world we live in is broken and, and there's heartbreak here. The world that you've been reserved for, the world that you were meant for, there's no heartbreak there. There's no breakups there. There's no divorce there. How many, and so many of you raised your hands. You, I hate that. I hate that. My, like my heart hurts when I see that. Because I know that that didn't come easy, right? To live in that home, to see the things thrown about, maybe it happened after you left, and it, you, I remember, you got the phone call, and it's like, what? But you guys promised. If you define love as giving of yourself for the good of others, then you can look for that. You can look for someone who is constantly giving of themselves for the good of others. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this isn't just a Jesus juke, right? This is the reality that, that God has demonstrated love for us. He's the author of love. I'm gonna show you in a minute that love comes from him. He's the one that invented love. He gets to define love. If you're not looking for his love, then you're not looking for love. What you're looking for is not love if it's not God's love. Like God is the author of love. Not Hollywood, not the movies, not, not the, the songs you're listening to, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And so he says, love is sincere. Real love is sincere. It's Romans 12, 9. I gave it to you up top. Real love is sincere. Love must be sincere. And so, guys, what this means is you can just be honest and truthful. And, and you don't have to, like, text message and, and hint around or play games or slide into DMs with something crazy. Like, you can just be honest. 
and speak from your heart. And this removes all the complications. Imagine if everyone left here and you were just honest and you didn't play games. Like, like what, what is games? What do I mean by that? You, you, know, you can receive a text message and you see it and you want to text them back, but you don't because you want them to feel, what, that, that's love? Re- I mean, really? That's what you think the creator wants from you? Is for someone to be sitting on the other end of the phone wondering? Like, that's what you thought was going to get you a real solid marriage, one grounded in truth. Guys, are you serious? He has better for you than that. No need to play games. Like so many of us, we've learned to love selfishly. In fact, the only question we ask when considering an opportunity is what's in it for me? And to you, I would say serve, like get out there and give of yourself because in marriage, you have to do a lot of serving. If you don't enjoy doing the dishes, you're not going to enjoy marriage, okay? You're gonna be doing the dishes as often or maybe even more than you're going to be making love. Think about that for a minute. You better like doing the dishes. Right? My marriage friends are getting whiplash, nodding their heads so hard. I see you. And the enemy's so good. He makes me so mad. He makes me so angry because he keeps those of you that are selflessly serving single. And he allows the people that are selfish and stuck on themselves and narcissistic and all concerned about the way, the way they look. And he allows them to get married. But can I tell you something? He allows them to get married five times. Two times, three times, four times. And I promise, I've been doing this for a while. The one who's selfish, selflessly serving wins. They win. Every time. And winning looks different. But they're always better off than the selfish one. They're always better off. So don't play games. We'll make it complicated. Keep it simple. If you like someone, tell them you like them. If you don't like them, tell them why. Be honest. Real love is not motivated by fear. Real love is not motivated by fear. Are you looking for love out of fear? Or or are you not looking for love out of fear? Both are wrong. Real love is not motivated by fear. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love, right? And so if you're here and, and you wanna be married because you're afraid, afraid to be alone, you don't have to be afraid to be alone. Like I said before, you've never been alone. And you need to know that your singleness is not a punishment. In fact, we did an entire message, messages on this reality that singleness is a gift. Please go listen to them because after I finished that message, churches from around the country literally said, hey, can you come and give that message here because we love our single people and we want them to hear that. The scripture says that singleness is a gift. Please go back and listen to that message. And here's the truth. I, I gotta tell you the truth about marriage. And if you hear me and you believe me, if you don't believe me, it's fine, but but prove it. You know what I'm saying? Like leave here and test it and wrestle with it and think about it. That's what I want to do tonight. I almost want to leave you with questions. I want you to begin to question the things that you knew to be true when you came in here. Not the gospel, but the things about love and what the world has taught you about love. And here's the truth about marriage. And I love marriage. It's a gift. Some of you need to hear that. Marriage is good. Those of you that are like afraid of it, I want you to know it's really, really good. Those of you that can't wait to get married, I want you to hear it's really, really, really hard. It's really good and it's really hard. Both are true. All right, here's the truth about marriage. It's much more practical than any of you want to believe it is. It's a partnership on life. It's like, hey, life is hard. Like, let's go through this together. It's not about all the feels. Like, all the feels aren't gonna be there for for a lot of the days that you're married. We, We heard... In the 60s, they weren't there for 76% of people who got married at a time when we even learned in this room that the divorce rate was lower. That should challenge your thinking. See, here's the reality. 
once upon a time, like in the 50s and in the 60s, the beginning of the 60s, marriage was the foundation of your adult life. Here's what this meant as you graduated from high school or college and you looked out and usually you would marry someone within a five block radius of where you lived, which challenges the whole one mentality. Like the one was your neighbor, you know, right down the street. That was the one. And, and, and so you would get married and, and it was this reality of like, man, life is really hard. Like, I'm, I've got to go to work now. I'm in debt. You know, I need help with these things. So let's come together and help each other. And it was the foundation. And you would build the house on that foundation. This is how it used to be. Now, you feel a pressure. When you came in here, you feel a pressure. You need to build the house it needs to all be there. You need to have the job, make this much money. You gotta be able to afford a ring, you know, get out of debt, get everything all polished up. And then marriage is the furnishings. Once the house is built, I'm gonna put the furniture inside. You view marriage like the sofa that you buy after the couch is, after the, sorry, after the house is built. It's not that. It was never meant to be that. What are we doing? We're waiting longer and longer and longer to get married. Some of us aren't getting married at all. Like if you want marriage, I believe God is a fan of young marriage. And if you wanna challenge me on that, I would just look at biology. When your body begins to prepare uh, itself to procreate. And I believe that we obey the laws of the land. I believe that, you know, we, this is an area we've been heavily influenced by culture, but I will go on record and believe that God is a fan of young marriage based on his design. And it's, it's not a capstone. It's the cornerstone. It's, it's not the furnishings. It's the foundation. And so how do you find real love before we leave? How do you find real love? We do, um, Monica and I do premarital counseling and we have the couples take this test called the prepare and enrich test. And it asks them all these questions. And every, I, I believe this to be true. I, I think every couple that we've met with has missed one of the questions. Every one of them, I mean, they missed different questions, but every one of them has missed one question in particular that talks about love and how you define it. And, and it shows us as we look at the results, it says, hey, you need to help this couple with expectations. And that's what I believe. If I can help you with expectations tonight from the scriptures, if we can look at what love is from the one who invented it, then you're gonna leave here better off than you came in. That's gonna help you find what it is. And so if you know what it looks like and where to find it, you are set up for success, at least more success than you came in here with. If love is serving, then where you find it is among the servants. Like that's where you look for it. And what, here's what's ironic to me is my friend told me about this term today called missionary goggles. Anybody heard of this, missionary goggles? I hadn't either. And I'm, that's, okay, so some of you. Uh, like girls, I'll just talk to you for a second. Like you're so concerned with what you look like and the makeup and the hair and all of that, and like just making sure everything's in order. And that's cool, like God has made you that way, and, and I think that's fantastic, but I just, I wanna tell you an observation that, I, that you know, my friend said today, and I was like, that's so true, is what I see is, is, you know, we go on these overseas trips, we go to a third world country, the girl doesn't leave, like she leaves her blow dryer behind, you know, and uh, I mean, we're lucky if she brought deodorant, you know, hadn't taken a shower in three days and she's out there serving people on the side of the Amazon River in the Amazon jungle caring for widows and orphans and some dude is across the way like, like man, I've never noticed her before. Like, wow, she's hot. Like literally, she's hot, like pit stains and all. Like, no, <laughs> no I mean, but, but it's like, and, and they come back and, and the relationship takes off. Like I've seen that so many times. Launch retreats the same way. I know it's not like serving like that, but you get out there and, and, uh, and people, like the sparks don't fly when you're all dolled up for the party. It's like when you're all sweaty on the field, you know, and everybody's nasty and it's just like, but man, we're just running together and we're having fun together and we're experiencing the body of Christ and fellowship together. Like just think about that. Like, okay, I may be wrong, but just think about it for a second. And so you look among the saints, you, you look among the servants. 
2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What does this mean, yoked together with unbelievers? We were on vacation this past weekend and we were in a museum, walking through a museum and I saw a little literal yoke. And so a yoke is something that you would use to put oxen in, two oxen. And so uh, they, they would be yoked together and they'd have to go the same direction at the same speed. And so I took a picture, here's my daughter and her friend, doesn't he look like just the average married guy? And she looks like the average married girl. <laughs> and and, uh, and just, I thought that was funny because she's like, why are you taking a picture of me? And, um, and so this thing right here, this, this yoke, that's what it's saying. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers because if someone goes right, like you're going to have to go right with them or you're going to break your neck. And in fact, you wanna be yoked to someone who's going the same direction at the same speed. That's what you're looking for, someone going the same direction at the same speed, someone pursuing Christ at the same pace. Like, and let me say this in case you're confused. You should be recklessly, uh, with, you should be pursuing Christ with reckless abandon, with everything you got hard and fast, and you should find someone who's pursuing Christ that, hey guys, listen, because I know this stuff is hard. I know Christian dating is complicated. I know we've complicated it with all these made-up rules that aren't even in the Bible. And I just want to make it simple for you. What if, like just, just challenge me on this, what if it's just that simple? Like what if you're just to leave here and find someone who's pursuing Christ as hard and fast as you are and you're to be pursuing Christ hard and fast? What if, guys, what if the creator of the heavens and the earth, like want you to leave here and it just to be that easy. Like not more complicated than that. Now we can, you know, you're gonna leave here and think about that and say, but what about chemistry and this and that? And I just say, well, let's just consider, I wonder what the success rate, of, like let's just say we took 100 people and they had wild chemistry. Like let's say we made up this show, just pretend. We took a guy and we took about how many girls? 15, 17 girls, 12 girls, how many? 25 girls. And, and we said, hey, we, we want you just to go on dates. In fact, we're going to pay for some crazy dates, helicopter rides and whatnot. And, and we're gonna throw parties and, and, and we're gonna create chemistry. And we, and we saw, hey, how many of those at the end of, let's just say we did that like 27 times, hypothetically speaking, and we saw how many of those were successful versus over here, we just took a man and a woman who loved God and we put them together and said, hey, y'all be married. But they, but they both loved God. You know that the divorce rate among a man and a woman who are recklessly pursuing Christ, you know what it is? Zero. There's never been a divorce between a man and a woman who are recklessly pursuing Christ. It's never happened in the history of the world. The divorce rate's zero. And so girls, I know you're thinking, but it's not that easy. I know you are. I want you to know that God controls the hearts of kings and of boys. And you, <laughs> and you not getting asked out may be his incredible mercy in your life, okay? It may be his incredible grace. And this is not a slam at the guys, but I see a lot of boys. And so the Lord who loves you may be protecting you from something. And boys, I, I, men, men, I wanna help you. If I can help you in any way, prepare yourself for that. Because I, I I've also see a lot of men. And that's the truth. And so men, find someone godly. If you want marriage, find a godly woman and ask her out. That's your assignment. You can even say, hey, I was at the porch and he told me I had to do this. And <laughs> find a godly woman and ask her out. Okay? The one that you're like, man, I wish you know, my friend should date her. Like that one. And, and girls, when a godly guy asks you out, say yes. 
Because can I tell you something? Because he's scared. You need to know that. You're like, I know you're like, man, why don't godly guys ask girls out? Here's why. Because they're scared. Because you guys are terrifying, okay? Because when we, when we ask you that, it's truth, man. You're terrifying. You're terrifying. All, in, in that moment, what we've done is we've taken all of the, our strength and authority and any power that we have, and we just set it in your hand, and we sit there vulnerable waiting for you to say yes or no. And, and if you say no, you are rejecting us. Like you say, this is what you're saying. You look at us and you say, you know what? I don't choose you. And we go, I know, it hurts. And we go like this, you know? And, and it feels like we can't recover from that. And so you're like, man, I wish guys would ask more girls out. Well, guys are like, man, I wish girls would say yes. And so girls, if a godly guy asks you out, say yes. And if you have to say no, say why? But girls email me all the time. I mean, truly, it, like, hey, what do I say if I'm not interested? Say you're not interested and say why? But that, that feels mean. We, listen, we'll bounce back. Okay, we're gonna call our community group. They'll rally around us, pray, you know. James 5, 16, the prayers of righteous are powerful and effective. We'll come back from that, okay? The spirit of God will move. But guys, ask a godly girl out. Girls, if a godly guy asks you out, say yes. And what if it's that simple? And you say, well, what if I'm not attracted to them? What if attraction comes later? Like, I can't tell you how many marriages I've done. I'm like, man, I was not into him, but man, today... You know, I hear it all the time. And so men, be agents of God and ask out godly girls. And girls, if you feel like, man, I just feel so helpless, I can't, there's like nothing. You know what you can do? There's one simple thing that you can do, and you can do it every single day, is you can pray. And some people will say, well, JP, you know, but is that messing with my heart? I'm like, man, I trust God in that. Like, as you pray, God is going to align your heart with what he's doing. But before you get angry at God, like, make sure you've prayed every single day for the past three years or ever long, right? And if you haven't prayed, like, I, I wouldn't waste any time being angry. I'm just going to end with the verse. It's 1 John 4, 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another. It really says in the Greek, it says beloved or loved ones. Those who are loved, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who love has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And so I want you to leave here and I want you to, it says cling to what is good. I want you to cling to the Father. Love comes from the Father. Those that know him, here's the reality. No one who, do, someone who doesn't know God cannot live out 1 Corinthians 13. They can't. What I'm saying, so I'm clear, your atheist friend cannot love like God calls them to love. It's impossible. And someone who has been born of God, they know God, they're walking with him, they're pursuing him. They can't not love that way. That is how they love. And that is why God, I believe God, the scripture says, hey, this is all you need to know. You've made it so complicated. You've been listening to Kim and Kanye too long. It's, sim it's more simple than that, simpler than that. It's this simple. This is what you need to know. And so in summary, fake love is defined by fake sources, is self-serving, and is rooted in how they make you feel. Real love is defined by sacrificial service. It is sincere and it is not motivated by fear. So find real love, knowing what it looks like and where to look. We were at the, the fair this past weekend on Sunday. We went out to the fair. Anybody been to the fair? Okay, wow. Wow. You're like, is it really that simple though? Anybody been to the fair yet? Okay, cool. Good. Uh, so you've been out to the fair. So we were out at the fair. And, uh, and, and so I went with my kids. Like the fair is like the only place where you pay a bunch of money to go in and pay a bunch of money. And so we went in there and, and, um, and I know it's so true. And, and the rides, they were doing the rides and whatnot. And then I was like, hey, okay, let's go. We got to go do something else. And my, my kids, two of my kids were complaining. No, dad, we still want to do rides. I'm like, no, daddy's broke. We can't. And, 
And I'm like, let's go do something else. And so two of them were really complaining. I've got three kids. And so my oldest, she wasn't. Like, she was a cool dad. Hey, guys, we can trust daddy. I'm like, that's right. And so, um, and so we went, you know, and, and so what I did then is I said, you know what? We're going to come back and do one ride. And I said, and you get to decide what it is. But, but we're going to go do other things. And she was like, oh, daddy, I want to do that ride. It's like, a, it's like a roller coaster, but it goes in a circle. It kind of goes in a room and comes around. It's called the love bug. I don't know if you saw it, but they play that, that music in there. And it's just like this roller coaster goes up and down. But it's not really a roller coaster. It's these cars that are on a track, and it just goes around in a circle real fast. And she's like, I want to do that one, you know. And, and, and uh, I was like, great. And so then we went and saw the animals, and we went to the car shows. But she just kept, I can't wait to do that ride. We're going to do that ride. It's going to be great. And I was like, hey, listen, like, like enjoy where we're at right now. And we're going to do that. But like right now, let's enjoy where we're at. You know, look, look, that car. And look, there's a, you know, 600 bunnies, and there's a cow. And, and and I'm like, hey, enjoy where we're at. And she's like, but I can't wait to do that ride. And, and so it became, came time before we were going to leave. We go back into the midway, and we're going to do that ride. And so we get, get some more tickets, you know, more to the house. And, and, um, <laughs> and, and we're, she's standing in line. I'm just going to send the kids on it. And so Monica and I are watching. And, and they get on to go on to this ride. And, you know, my son, my youngest is the smallest, and then my middle, and then the oldest. And and, uh, and so what they did is they said, well, the, the youngest needs to be on the inside and you, because the ride, the centrifugal force. Like, and so they put the youngest on the, on the inside and then the middle and then the, my oldest, the one that wanted to ride the ride, she's on the end. And they start the ride and it starts going around. And, and at first it's that look of pure joy. Like she's just having so much fun because it's not a scary ride. And she's just having so much fun and, and laughing. It's like everything she thought it was going to be. Well, then the guy's like, let's go faster. And they, as they're going faster, like her brother and her sister are coming toward her. And I, I'm watching, because I'm even filming on slow-mo, you know, so I can Instagram it. And, and, and I watch her face as her face changes from joy, and she starts trying to push them off of her, like, get off of me. And then it kind of turns to, like, sadness, and then it kind of turns to terror, you know. And, and she starts in the middle of the ride, she just starts weeping. And I'm, it's hard to watch as a dad, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, stop the ride, stop the ride. And, and she just starts crying. And, I, and I'm watching it. And, and the ride comes to a stop. And Monica and I are like, oh no, you know. And she gets off and she runs off and she runs to me and she just buries her head in my stomach. And she just holds me. And she says, Daddy, they were hurting me. Daddy, they were hurting me. They were hurting me and it wouldn't stop. And there's this thing that you're, you're so looking forward to. You're so excited about. But if you've defined it incorrectly, you're going to get on that roller coaster and it is going to hurt you. Like it has so many people. And some of you, you've been in that roller, on that roller coaster. You said, I love you, I love you too. Long conversations, the text messages late at night, good night, I love you. And you've been hurt. And some of you, you're on the ride right now and you need to get off. And those of you that came in walking with a limp because you know you've been hurt, there's, there's heartbreak, you, you're losing hope in love. Well, you need to do what exactly what my 12-year-old daughter did is you need to run to your father and embrace him, cling to what is good. And, and he understands, he, he understands loss, he lost his son for you. And there is no greater love than and love comes from him. And he's never left you nor forsake you. Forsaken you. He's crazy about you. He is crazy about you. And if you're wanting to know how to love, you leave here and you start with him. Let me pray that you would. Father, help us to know what love is. And help us to cling to what is good and hate what is evil. And help us to leave here with a sincere love. Thank you for the example that you've given us in Jesus Christ. For all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to live for you 
through him. Help us to be sincere with one another and kind and honest. Father, would you take the things that we came in here with that are not of you and would you leave them, help us to leave them behind. And the things that are of you, God, help us to cling to them, to know them, to, to look for them, to search them. In Jesus' name, amen.